welcome to King's Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about King's Church, visit kcnyc.org. Let's just have a word of prayer before we start. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its truth. I thank you that it is alive and, and it is powerful and it is able to... Um, separate issues for us and and to illuminate um, the reality around us and Lord without your word we would be lost and so you you have given us your word as a means of grace by which we can live in truth and so Lord we look to your word tonight Lord I pray for uh, hearts that are open to receive the the seed of the word Lord I pray that our, our hearts would be just ready to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us and to speak to us tonight. And I pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Everybody said? Everybody said? There we go. We're alive. Just had to do a pulse check there. Okay, so uh, I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. Is that okay with, with everybody if I just do some teaching tonight? Okay. Okay, yeah, um, the thing is, like, I'd love to be a preacher, but I just really, like, I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who wants to have content, you know? So, that was, I know, that was, that was a shot, that was a shot. It was a good kill, wasn't it? Okay, so, anywho... Uh, we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about a, a topic tonight that is near and dear to my heart. It is something that everybody I think will love and enjoy. Um, the topic is hell, and and um, as I said, it's near and dear to my heart, sincere's heart as well, the whole front row actually, um, because they all need to repent. But anyway. Um, I hung out with them last night, and I know what they were doing, so I was doing it too, so anyway, <laughs> uh, we're, we're going to dive in. Basically, um, I'm going to give you like a short, abbreviated version, abridged version of a class that I taught. Uh, I'm a teacher, a Bible teacher at an organization called TheosU, and, and uh, basically, we just kind of distill uh, theology into like bite-sized formats and so uh, it's we, we, the whole goal is you know making things accessible for people and so, so you don't have to go to Bible college for four years in order to like know your Bible and you can go deeper uh, because Sunday morning is and Sunday evening is not enough and so you know uh, basically I, I j- what we do is we, we teach all these classes, and so I, di- I just did a class on hell. So I'm giving you an abbreviated version of my class on hell. And uh, I really think that this issue is important for us because um, <laughs> it's basically <laughs> the, <laughs> the only other alternative to heaven, right? Uh <laughs> it's kind of a no-brainer on that one. But in its nature, I believe it's a very resisted doctrine. I believe that our generation in particular doesn't like this. Uh, one of the reasons why is I think that we are all generally on our way to hell. <laughs> We're on a highway to hell. Yeah. 
Yes, it's thank you, sincere. Um, <laughs> we aren't on a highway to hell. I, I do believe our culture is getting worse. Anybody identify with that a little bit? You know, things are things were worse than they were in 2019. Let's just, can we get a show of hands on that? Okay, great. So I, I do believe this. I believe that we are in a period of decay. I, I, and I actually think that socially things are going to get worse before they're going to get better on a big, big, big scale, right? 40,000 foot level, right? Your, your job is probably great. Your family's probably awesome. You're going to have kids, hopefully, um, and you're going to live your life and all this stuff. It's going to be wonderful. You'll go to Disneyland, right? But, but, but on a 40,000 foot level, where we're heading as a society uh, is not good. It's, it's not good. We are, we are in a state of what I call degeneracy. I think we are, we, we are having, uh, experiencing degeneration. The birth rate is the lowest it's ever been in American history. People aren't having kids. People aren't getting married. People aren't doing what normal humans do. People are killing themselves. Suicide is the, one of the number, in the top five uh, causes of death between in, in men uh, 25 to 40. Suicide, just guys killing themselves. Yeah. Why? why? Why this hopelessness and this despair? I think that we need to wake up. I think we need to wake up to the reality of hell. We teach on everything in between heaven and hell, and we never talk about hell. We have built, and we've built church empires on positive gospel messages that make people feel good. Here's the thing. If you have cancer and you go to the doctor and all he does is make you feel good, usually by lying to you, <laughs> you know, Doctor, I'm feeling something really, really weird going on right here. And this big rash, and it's like coming out, and I don't know, it's, it's you know, weird. And, and he's like, no, you're good. Here's a lollipop. Right? You'd be like, what kind of doctor are you? What doctor just tries to make people feel good? Right? Look, God is here to help us. He's the great physician. He's here to help you. God is not here to give you hopelessness. That's not what we deal in. We deal in the theological virtue of hope. We believe that hope is real, that you can hope in God. But you, in order to hope in God, you have to turn to God. You have to actually recognize that you're on a pathway that's not connected to God not by nature. And by nature, you're on a pathway to perishing, to destruction. And without God, that's where we all are. And our society has turned its back on God. Officially. We are not, we are Christian in texture, in inheritance, but we are not Christian in conviction. We have lost, we're losing all the Christian conventions. You see, when you lose the convictions, you lose the conventions. They, they end up eroding. And that's what's happening. Things are falling apart. 
And we're kind of like, wow, this is kind of falling apart. And it's slow, and it's, it's a decay. It's an erosion that is slowly taking place. And sometimes more rapidly than others. But we are in a worse position than we were 50 years ago. More, there's more divorce now than there was 50 years ago. There's less marriage now than there was 50 years ago. There's more abortion now than there was 50 years ago. We're eliminating whole generations of people. This is, so this isn't, this is for, we have to wake up to sin in our world. Now, that's all the bad news, okay? <laughs> so it only gets better from there, okay? Worst is over. I'm kidding. It actually gets worse. But here's the thing. <laughs> uh, I'm a horrible doctor. But here, here's the thing. Uh, basically, what we're dealing with in our society is, uh, particularly even in the church now, we're dealing with um, two issues that cause uh, multiple fractures about the doctrine of hell. The first is uh, there are people who deny its existence, okay? There are Christi Christian teachers, Christian preachers, who, who essentially either uh, in, in word or in deed deny its existence, right? So you can deny something's existence just functionally, right? You don't even have to say it. You just act like it doesn't exist, right? So we have, as I said, pastors who don't even talk about hell. They don't talk about it, right? And they are denying its existence. Now this, uh, w when it's vocally denied uh, as an eternal state, uh, this is a, what I call hard universalism. Basically what happens is, if you deny hell, what you're essentially saying is that all dogs go to heaven, right? Everybody gets in, right? There's no, there's, there's no, nobody gets rejected at the door, right? So um, you, it leads, denying hell's existence leads to a hard universalism. Uh, it also denies uh, the doctrine of eternal conscious torment. It also denies the doctrine of divine wrath or divine punishment. An example of this uh, is a guy named Rob Bell, who used to be a pastor of a church. In 2011, he wrote a book called Love Wins. You see, look, and, and look at how he, he, he twists it, right? Look at how he phrases it. Uh, love wins. Oh, yeah, totally. Don't you agree that love wins, Gabe? Yeah, of course I do. Why wouldn't I, you know? So, but, but that's not, how do you define love? You see, the way we define love is, I love what, what Pastor David said last Sunday. He said, you know, when we think of a, a good, good father, we think of hug, hug father. <laughs> yeah, I had hug, hug father. I also had spank, spank father. You know, more, more spank, spank than hug, hug, actually. It's probably what's wrong with me. Uh, you know, my therapist and I talk about it all the time. So... Here's the thing, though. It's, it's, it's important to understand that fathers discipline their children, right? So a good father is not going to uh, spare the rod. A good father is not going to not discipline his, his children. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that as a good father, God the Father actually punishes or well, the, the word used is scourges. But it, he, chat, he chastens us, he disciplines us, he corrects us, and he says, 
hey, you're, you're, you're doing the wrong thing here. I got I to gotta get you back on track because he's a good father. He wants to get you back on track. And some of us, we just have stubborn wills. I, I do. And so I need correction. Hey, Gabe, get back on track. And so as a good father, uh, you know, he loves us. But love, yeah, so does love win? Yeah, love wins. God's love wins as he defines love, which is true love, right? Which includes discipline. But um, moving on from denying hell's existence, uh, the second issue is that some people may not deny hell's existence, but what they will do is deny uh, that hell is eternal. So they'll say, hey, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you there. Hell exists. It's a real place, but hell isn't eternal. It's not something that's going to last forever. Um, and that's because nothing lasts forever, baby. Oh, okay, I don't even know what song that is, but it just came into my mind. Uh, now, there's a guy named Hans Urs von Balthasar. Okay, don't try to pronounce that. He is a German... Catholic theologian who wrote a book called Dare We Hope That All Men Be Saved. And he essentially says that God could end up saving everybody um, after he works on people in hell and he just delivers them. So this uh, moves from a hard universalism, which is denying hell's existence, into a soft universalism, which is just denying its, its eternity. And then when it moves from that soft universalism Many times people will also uh, say, okay, uh, maybe they don't actually transition from hell into heaven. Um, another angle on this might be that they are just annihilated. They're just, they're just, you know, they just cease to exist, right? And so that's also a problem. So um, let's, before we deal with why all of those things are problems, let's just start with um, identifying um, some basic terminology when we're talking about hell. So the name and place of hell is um, derived from a word uh, that means a hole or hollow, a hollow place or a cavernous place. So hell just means a, an empty place or a cavernous place. Um, there are in classical theology four distinctions used for hell. Did you know that? There are four distinctions used for hell. Hell isn't just one uh, place, but there are actually four distinctions. Number one, the primary distinction is that hell is the place of punishment for the damned, okay? People who have been damned uh, and punished by God after the great judgment of God, they are sent to hell. The second uh, is that hell, um, that hell has like these layers that theologians have speculated exist. We're not going to get into these next three, but I just wanted to let you know that they they exist in terms of they don't officially exist, but they're speculated to exist. All right, so the first is uh, what's called the limbo of infants. The limbo of infants, limbo just means waiting, and that is the idea that theologians are saying, okay, so if babies die and they don't know Jesus and they haven't been baptized and their parents aren't Christians, what happens? Right? What happens? So that's a genuine question. It's a difficult question to answer. So theologians have speculated and said, okay, well, there's, there must be maybe a limbo area that's, uh, that's not 
in hell, but above it. It's not heaven, but it's not fully hell. So it's this in-between, but it's on top of hell. So does that make sense? Okay. And then the, the second, the third place is the limbo of the fathers. Now this, this, this is actually more of a sound doctrine. This is in, uh, found in the, uh, the limbo of the fathers, meaning the limbo, the, the waiting place of all of the Old Testament people who believed in God, in Yahweh, and by believing in God, in Yahweh, they, that they, they actually participated in believing in Christ, in the foreshadowing of, of the coming of Christ. So this, is, this would be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and David, and Moses, and Noah, and guys who God had a relationship with, people who God had a relationship with. So what the uh, Apostles' Creed teaches is that Jesus on the third, uh, uh, he died, and he then after his death descended into hell for three days, and he delivered all of these men and women who were waiting for him. So this is, this is the idea, it, it, the doctrine is called the harrowing of hell, um, and it basically just means that Jesus went into hell, and he preached the gospel. He said, hey, guys, I'm here to deliver you. You've been waiting. This was called Abraham's bosom. That was another word for it, Abraham's bosom. You can read about it in Luke chapter uh, 16, where Jesus talks about it himself. So that's number three. And so that's empty at this point. And then the fourth uh, layer of hell is, is called, and this is, again, speculative, purgatory all right now people growing up catholic are like oh yeah purgatory i know that place really well uh so <laughs> so um the idea in purgatory is that first of all i'm not advocating the doctrine of purgatory but i will say this um and you can do with this what you will i believe that jesus meant what he said when he said that the pure in heart will see god I also believe that the Bible means what it says when it says that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So what does that mean? That means that if there's um, unforgiveness in your heart towards someone and you died tonight, I believe that God would say, hey, I love you. I want you to get in, but we have to deal with this. You see, I don't believe that when you die, there's like a bippity-boppity, you're perfect situation. I don't believe that. I believe the Holy Spirit has been given to you to make you holy. And he's actually in it for the long haul. He's in it for eternity. And he's committed to making you holy. He is your personal trainer. And he's like, you are going to lose that weight. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, right? Right? And you're like, but I don't want to lose weight anymore. No, you're going to lose it. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he is your weight trainer, okay? Your holiness trainer. And uh, sorry if some of you have been traumatized by your, by your personal trainers. Sincere, you're a personal trainer? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So the Holy Spirit is here to make you holy. I do believe that on the doctrine of purgatory, we have to understand that God is in this to make us pure and spotless. And so, what, wouldn't you want God to do that in you? Wouldn't you want God to purify you? Wouldn't you, if, you sh if I show up in the gates of heaven and, 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 I, and I look at myself and I see that I have unforgiveness and I have this and I have that and I have all these vices that I've, that I've never really overcome in my life, 
wouldn't I want to say, Lord, please purify me. I want to enter into your holiness, into your presence, pure and spotless. And I see some things, some spots inside of me. I, I, need, I need you to refine this gold. There, there are some metals that are alloyed to the gold. I want it to be pure. And the word pure is where we get the word purge from, which is where we get the word purgation from, which is where we get the word purgatory from. You see, it's about purity. So God wants to make you pure. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, the process sucks. Okay, <laughs> it sucks. But it's awesome. The goal is awesome. So let's jump into some scriptures just identifying different words about um, hell. Um, Hades is one of the words that is used in Greek to identify hell. Um, in Hebrew, the word sheol is, is what corresponds to hell. Um, another word here is really interesting. It's the word Gehenna. Uh, Gehenna is used uh, by Jesus all over the New Testament to talk about hell. And it's, tr it's not necessarily in your Bibles translated Gehenna, although there might be a little, like, you know, uh, lowercase letter that points to, you know, a little notation at the bottom that says, it's Gehenna. But um, Jesus uses Gehenna as this analogy for hell, and the, the history of it is kind of tedious, but it's just basically um, a word that means the Valley of the Sons of Hinnom. And in the Valley of the Sons of Hinnom, uh, in the Old Testament, there were, there were um, children that were sacrificed to the god Moloch. And what they would do is they would take these children and um, they would place them in the hands of the, the, the god Moloch. And the thing was that the hands were burning hot. And so it would melt these children. And these children would be screaming in pain, and while they were screaming, the Israelites would yell praises so that they couldn't, to drown out the, the sound of the screaming children. That's how evil this was. Almost like abortion. But the deal is that this valley was known for its idolatry and wickedness and so Josiah, who was a righteous king, he went into the valley and he essentially, you know, destroyed it. And he turned it into what, what, what became, in Jesus' day, a, a trash heap, a, a garbage dump. And there were fires that would go up from the fire, from the, the garbage being, you know, consumed. And so it kind of looked like hell in the Valley of Gehenna. And so when Jesus says, hell is like this, it's like Gehenna, he's pointing to a place of garbage, a place of con con continual smoldering heaps, continual fire that never goes out, a place of destruction. And so we're going to look at uh, just a couple scriptures here on hell. The first is Revelation 14, 9 through 11. And it says this, And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. 
and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of the beast of its name. That's in Revelation chapter 19, or sorry, uh, sorry, that's Revelation 14, 9 through 11. Notice a couple things here. We're talking about the, um, the mark uh, of the beast, which is not an actual digital number or a microchip that is inserted into your skin. <laughs> it's not the COVID vaccine, okay? Although the COVID vaccine might be close. Um, just go to Infowars.com, you'll get it. <laughs> Read the threads. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Joking, okay? Sarcasm. Okay, so the idea here is the mark of the beast is, is a spiritual mark. Um, you'll notice that the, the, the people of God in the New Testament are sealed with a mark. And the seal of the mark is the Holy Spirit. He is the seal upon your life. He is the mark of God upon your life. And there is a mark upon the people of the world. And that is the system and the spirit of the world that they participate in. And so, um, basically, in, in verse 10, it talks about God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger. And, he will be, and, and, and the, there's a torment of fire and sulfur taking place. Now, the word wrath is a word that we have to define. It means vengeance. Okay, so whenever it talks, the Bible talks about the wrath of God, it's talking about the vengeance of God. Now, we love vengeance when it's people representing us, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, he stole my car. Get vengeance on, take vengeance on him, you know? Uh, so, but when vengeance is against us, we don't like it so much, right? But God is a righteous judge, and he says, I'm going to take vengeance on evildoers, and uh, people who are not sorry for what they've done, uh, repentant uh, for what they've done. And so he takes vengeance. And then it says there's a cup of his anger that is poured full, uh, that, is, that the vengeance is poured full strength into. But the, the effect of this is that there, are, there is torment with fire and sulfur. And check this out. It's in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. You know, we talk about Jesus as the lamb, right? But here the lamb is kind of acting like a lion. You see, there's a tension in Jesus. Jesus is the mercy of God. He is the lamb of God that is sacrificed and slain for us. But if we reject the mercy of God, there's only one thing left for us. The justice of God. You see, that's why this is the age of mercy. This is the time of mercy. This is the, that's why repentance is actually God being merciful to you. Repentance is God saying, hey, you get a second chance. You can change tonight if you want. You can change this moment right now. That's the mercy of God. So when we call people to repentance... That's not a dirty word. That's not making people feel bad. 
You, you should feel good that you have an opportunity to change. So then why do people feel bad? Because they don't want to repent. <laughs> because they don't want to change. But that's not God's fault. That's not the gospel's fault. That's not disconnected from the mercy of God. So, what we have is in hell, um, or sorry, in this, in this uh, issue of, in this is exactly describing Gehen the, the state of Gehenna, that the smoke of the torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. And so what we see is that, that phrase, forever and ever, uh, is, is connected to the two Greek words for eternity. And so uh, that, that phrase is, uh, I'm going to butcher this because I don't speak Greek, but it's eis aeones aeonon. And so uh, the other Greek word used throughout the scripture is aeonios. And so that's, these are the two words used to describe eternal, an eternal state of affairs. Um, and so you can see plainly in that scripture that hell is real and it is eternal. Okay. Um, Turn to Matthew chapter 25, and Matthew chapter 25, we see uh, that Jesus is uh, talking about the, the, the final judgment, and in verse 34, he says, uh, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he will say to those on his left, okay, so the Democrats, okay, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, that was a joke, okay, I am a Republican though, okay, no, I'm joking, okay, I'm Canadian, I'm Canadian, I can't even vote, so, and I wouldn't want to, dear God, okay, no, I'm kidding, David will kill me for saying that, all right, he wouldn't kill me for saying the first comment, all right. <laughs> uh, oy vey. All right. So, the trials of a Canadian. Okay, so, <laughs> it's my cross to bear. So, <laughs> Matthew 25. So, verse 41 Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That word eternal is aeonios, okay? So that's a gr the Greek word for eternity. And he's saying that the, notice this, the fire here in verse 41 is, pre is prepared for who? The devil and his angels. You know, God didn't make hell for you. He loves you. He didn't make hell for you. God made hell for the devil and his angels. And when you ally yourself to the kingdom of darkness, when you place yourself under the authority of Satan, when you open yourself to oppression by demonic spirits, you are following them into their place, their final destination. You're attaching yourself to a sinking ship. That's what happens when you sin. Sin is sometimes defined as missing the mark, the Hebrew image there. I want to I help that definition out a bit because it's lacking something. 
It's, to sin is not simply to miss the mark. To sin is to miss the mark deliberately. To never intend to hit the mark. You see, sin is rebellion against God. It's a rebellion against him. It's saying, I'm going to do my way. And you do your way, I'm doing my way. I'm my own God. And I live my own life. I'm just living my life. Uh, right? I'm just living my life. Mm. Uh. Come on, can we, can we play that? Can we play that right now? Where's a DJ when you need one? All right, so, so here's the deal. You don't have to be able to sing in order to teach, but it helps. It helps. Uh, keeps them interested, you know? So, <laughs> so let's go to verse 46. Notice this. Verse 46, it says, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into Aeonios life. So here, Jesus recapitulates the whole idea in the, in the passage, and he says, he says, those who I send to the left will go into eternal punishment, eternal punishment, not just eternal tickles, right? But eternal punishment by God and the, the others will go into eternal life. Now, here's the idea here. Both heaven and hell are eternal. And if you deny the eternality of hell, you're also denying the eternality of heaven. If you say that hell's not eternal, Jesus says they're equally eternal. You see, this is the interesting thing, is that we can think of heaven really easily as a place of eternal Bliss and ecstasy, not the drug. Happiness, <laughs> okay? Eternal happiness. And <laughs> it's, that is what it is. You know, you were made for happiness. God wants you to be happy. He just knows that nothing on this planet will actually make you happy. Only God can make you happy. And so he says, I want you to be happy, but stop pursuing all of these temporal things that are actually going to go away eventually and make you unhappy and never fulfill you. The only thing that can fulfill you and bring you happiness, joy, the kind of happiness you get when you have something that you love is when you are connected with me in eternity. God destined you for happiness. It's called beatitude, blessing. He destined you for it, but you'll only find it in him in an eternal way. You'll find temporary happiness elsewhere, right? But you won't find eternal happiness outside of God. And I would just say that Jesus clearly says here in this key passage that hell is eternal and heaven is eternal, and they are equally so. All right, let's uh, jump to... The nature of hell. The nature of hell, really quickly, I've titled this, What the Hell? I'm allowed to say that. I'm allowed to say that. 
I've waited a long time to say that. <laughs> the first point here is, I was homeschooled, okay, so. So hell is uh, it, it, it described in scripture as fire. In Psalm 10, uh, verse 7, it says, Fire and brimstone and storms of winds shall be the portion of their cup. So hell is fire. It's composed of fire. As we talked about earlier, Gehenna was a place of fire where they would light the trash on fire. Dumpsters on fire. Dumpster fires. Okay. <laughs> and uh, hell, <laughs> I'm trying to be serious. I can't be serious through this. All right, so hell is physical. Uh, John chapter 5, verse 25 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Why did I just say that? That has nothing to do with hell. Well, um, we have to understand something. Everybody gets resurrected. Everybody gets resurrected. Um. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52, Lo, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. The dead, all the dead, will be raised imperishable. Imperishable. They, their bodies will live forever. The soul is eternal, and the body will be eternal as well. The difference is that the righteous will have a body that can't suffer. Whereas the unrighteous, the wicked, will have a body that actually suffers, although it lives forever. Eternal suffering. Eternal torment. That's physical. Physical. Like, like a pinprick physical, right? It will hurt eternally. But we will have, the righteous will have, a body that is called impassable. Unable to suffer. So hell is a physical place, just as heaven is a physical place. We will all get into, we will all have a place of, uh, of, a, of a physical state. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, it says, Fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell, or Gehenna. Uh, the, the, the next point is that hell is tortuous, tortuous. Uh, Isaiah chapter 66, verse 24 says, The worm that never dies is in hell. The way, there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's, that's in Matthew 13, 42 uh, and 50, Matthew 8, 12, Matthew 22, 13, Matthew 24, 51. Um, it's all over. Wailing and gnashing of teeth is a constant uh, description of hell, which describes both the uh, heat and the cold and the different temperatures that ha ha happen to affect people. Um, we've talked about this, that hell is, this is the next point, Hell is for the damned, uh, particularly Satan and demons and fallen angels, but it's also for the impenitent. The impenitent are the people who finally are sent 
to hell. John 3, 36, we love quoting John 3, 16, but if you go to the end of the chapter, actually, if you just go down to other verses, you'll see that Jesus says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God, the vengeance of God remains on him. So, if you don't turn from sin and you don't repent and you don't believe in Christ and you aren't baptized into Christ and following Christ and obedient to Christ, there, that means that you're disobedient to Christ and you're not living in the light. You're walking in darkness and you are on your way to experience and encounter the wrath of God, the vengeance of God. And so here we see in Romans chapter 9, 22, that the damned are vessels of wrath. And Paul says, what if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? You know, just because something bad doesn't happen to you when you do something bad doesn't mean that something bad won't happen to you when you do something bad. All right? It's a little complicated, but basically what I'm saying is God's patient. He's very patient. There's a lot of people doing a lot of bad stuff and nothing bad's happening to them. And some people are like, well, why, why is nothing bad happening to these people? Because God's super patient. And you know what he's doing? He's waiting for a time called the day of judgment. And on the day of judgment, they're going to get theirs. If they didn't get theirs in this life, to a degree. Does that make sense? If they can get away with stuff, and that, that's, that's for all of us. If I think that I can get away with stuff because nobody sees me doing it, guess what? On the day of judgment, everybody's going to know. Unless I've, unless I've, th those sins are covered by the blood of Christ through repentance, everybody's going to know. There's no escaping the judgment of God. Now, uh, really quickly, two more verses, two more scripture passages, and I'll be done. Um, can I get five more minutes? Come on, can I get five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. So that's 30 minutes. 40, 45, 50, thank you. 50 minutes, great. So just get cozy, okay? So, the, so, <laughs> so how do we, so what, what is the, what is the, the, the test of, of going to hell? Well, I've alluded to it already, it's sin. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse, uh, chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, Paul the Apostle is writing to a church, a local church, in, in the city of Corinth, and Corinth was like a, a, a New York. Cor Corinth was a port town. It was like super cool, super hip, super trendy, super big, and super wicked. Okay. Why are you laughing at that, man? I haven't been making any jokes this whole time, and you're just laughing. I don't get it. Um, so, so Paul says he's writing to this church, and this church, this church ha has lots of issues that need to be dealt with, and he's, he's dealing with issues from a distance. He's not even, like, Skyping them. You know, he's, like, writing to them, right? And he's like, I'm correcting your problems because you can't correct yourselves. And he says, do you not know that the righteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do, listen to this. He says, he says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. In other words, you are deceived. 
You're deceived. You've been watching too much whatever. You, you're deceived. You think that this isn't the case, but it is the case. And I'm here to tell you right now that the unrighteous will not go to heaven. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. That's in the Bible. Wow. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards. Is anybody getting drunk on weekends? No, not in New York. People don't get drunk on weekends in New York. Drunkards are in the same list as homosexuals, thieves, the greedy, swindlers, idolaters, adulterers, revilers. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are considered mortal sins. These are sins that lead to death. That's serious. It's not like, it's not like white lies, right? These are sins that are breaking the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments are are the, the basic fundamental groundwork for all Christian morality. And these sins are all connected to those Ten Commandments. There's another list in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. It's exactly the same. I won't get into it. But the idea here is that uh, Jesus himself says in Revelation 21 that those um, who are cowardly, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, they will all have their portion in the lake that burns with fire and, and, and sulfur. And this is called the second death. We've heard of the second life in Christ. This is the second death. You see, the first death is what we all die. But not all of us will die the second death. This is the death. And this is the death of eternal suffering. Eternal conscious torment that is basically the punishment of God in his divine wrath on people who hate him. But they don't just hate him with their words, they hate him with their deeds by not obeying him. When you don't obey the law, you hate it. You know that? When you completely ignore it, you hate it in your, in your actions. And when you completely ignore the moral code of God and Christ, you hate it. So, I love what C.S. Lewis says, and I'm going to close with this. He says, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those that seek, find it. Those who knock, it is opened. But look at what he says. There are two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, your will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, your will be done. Hell is a place where you can, you can never act out your sin, but you'll, ever, you'll always want to. It's like withdrawal. When you go into withdrawal and you're addicted to some substance, 
and you want it and you're craving it, but you can't, you don't, you, you, right? That's hell. It's except it's the withdrawal of sin. Because you're so used to sinning in this life that when you stop sinning, you, you, you actually keep, you want to keep sinning. In the moment, you would do it for eternity. There's nothing stopping you. And that's the nature of a vice. Now is the time to cut it out. Now is the time to deal with sin. Sin is the reason why we've fallen from grace. It's the reason why Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden. Did you know that? Disobedience to God. God wants you to align your life in obedience. If you want to know how to be holy, be obedient. It's that simple. Be obedient. Say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do the right thing today. And as far as my will and my mind are concerned, I am setting my will to do your will. You see, when you align your will with God's will, you're walking in righteousness. You're walking in his will. You're walking in light. You're walking in truth. You're walking in righteousness. But when your will crosses God's will, that is, is where you come to the fork in the road. And that is where God says, you know what? If you don't love me, if you reject me, there's only one place for you. Hell is full of people who reject God. And they reject God because of their lifestyle. Are they sorry? Yes, they are sorry. That's my Canadian coming out, sorry. They're sorry. But you know what? They're not sorry. They're not sorry in a way that, that would say that they want to repent. The people in hell don't want to repent. They're sorry in the same way that someone is sorry that they, that they got caught. You see, the sorrow in hell is not a sorrow of, of penitence. It's not a sorrow of repentance. It's a sorrow of, of sadness that they can't act out anymore that they can't lie anymore, that they can't cheat anymore, that they can't commit adultery anymore, that they can't live in a moral lifestyle anymore, that they can't get drunk on weekends anymore. Hell is serious. It's just as serious as heaven. And I don't think I've done it justice tonight. But I hope this is the beginning of you thinking deeply about this issue. Because I think God wants us to think deeply about this issue. He loves you. He wants to be with you. But you have to cooperate with him. You have to say, Lord, I want what you want for my life. God's not going to force himself on you. You have to will it. You have to respond to it. He offers you the grace. He offers you the choice. You can choose life or you can choose death. My prayer is obviously that you would choose life. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We really believe that God wants you to know him in a personal and tangible way. If there's any way we can assist your journey, please reach out to kcnyc.org.